You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Giri. I'm joined today by my co-host, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? Hi, Giri. I'm doing good. Interesting times we have these days with uh, self-imposed quarantine and whatnot. How's the quarantine treating you? I'm trying to keep my spirits up high, watching television series on Netflix, on Amazon Prime and all these things. Alongside work, of course, I'm also doing my work. All these uh, side activities are not getting in the way of work. I don't know how long we can do this. How is it uh, going for you over there? Yeah, more or less the same. Uh, Keeping up, as you say, the required amount of work on a regular basis. Apart from that, spending a lot of time watching TV series, reading an occasional uh, novel or listening to it rather. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's about it. Mainly that. And uh, catching up with some, you know, friends, uh, at least in this season with, um, you know, a bit of concern involved, catching up with some really uh, old friends with whom I've not been in touch in a while. So that's something, mm-hmm. you know, we all have time. We all are sitting at home. So why not do a bit of that as well, we thought. So it, it goes okay. You know, for now, uh, we're able to take the quarantine. I mean, if it goes months long, I'm not sure how it's going to go for me. But uh, for now, it seems okay. Um, how are the supermarkets? Is it okay? The supermarket, I was in one of them this evening. Um, it was okay. The funny thing is, uh, at the entrance, I was uh, handed a basket mm-hmm. by a security guard. So I was not even allowed to touch a pile of uh, baskets, for example. And then I had to maintain mm-hmm. a one and a half meters distance. And there are clear lines everywhere along the paths, uh, at the cash counter and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So people are... Taking it really seriously, I have to say, and they should, uh, as advised by the government and all the health authorities here. So, which is good to see. And, uh, and I also saw people uh, were very cautious. So, when I was exiting the supermarket, there was another person trying to enter, and then he immediately stopped, stepped away from the door, allowed me to exit, and then he walked in. So, people, yeah, I think they're very responsible over here. Uh, I saw most of these things as well. It's very nice to see that, you know, they're respecting the social distancing that's required in most cases where possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, also, I think uh, mostly people have stopped eating out, they have stopped socializing. I do hear of a couple of my own friends who are not really that seriously following the social distancing, but it's, a, I think, a personal choice as far as that is concerned. But otherwise, in most cases, I do see that people are a bit worried and would like to, you know, maintain the social distancing, as you said. Yeah, it, it goes well and we are really hoping, you know, this, uh, we keep our spirits up and the uh, pandemic slowly, you know, runs its course and uh, we'll be back out into the sun shortly by the time summer is around the corner. Don't you think so? One can only remain optimistic in these times. However, I was reading an article this afternoon. The Dutch government sort of predicted that we'll see the peak of these infections by end of May. I I don't know how far that's true or if that's going to actually happen. But end of May is a long way away, a couple of months away. And if you're forced to stay in isolation like this, I hope it's not the case. If that happens, then people are going to go bonkers. It will take a huge toll on the mental health of people. I understand, you know, there's other things uh, that are also important here, taking care of the people who are actually in need of uh, medical care. But uh, it's going to take a while. It's just in, it's just been the second week, right, so of isolation. We'll see. I think next Tuesday, the 31st of March, 
uh, I heard the Prime Minister say in, his, in the press conference uh, yesterday, Prime Minister Markruta, uh, he said that they will take a decision whether the schools will remain open uh, beyond the 6th of April. And mm-hmm. they will see, mm-hmm. based on the amount of infections that have been reported and the number of unfortunate uh, fatalities, of course, uh, and they are following some some kind of a mathematical model of sorts, uh, as advised by the healthcare board. And according to them, the model they had compared against Italy and China and all these countries where they have, where we've seen a much bigger uh, number of infections, it looks like we are kind of flattening the curve is sort of flattening but we are not there yet but they are being very cautiously optimistic so i'm hoping it continues the trend continues and then i'm hoping we get some kind of a, a flattened period where we see less infection and finally it wanes well fingers crossed indeed well i mean in preparation for this our cricket uh, let's say season is expected to be uh, having a truncated start for sure I really don't expect to play any cricket until first week of June, more or less. So I think all of this uh, might even delay that. But I'm really hoping they've, you know, the curve flattens out much faster than what we've just talked about. And yeah. uh, you know, at least cricket kicks off sometime in June, right, Giri? I think yeah. being cooped up at home uh, get can take a lot of uh, toll. Otherwise, well, I mean, there may be some positives. Those of us who are, uh, you know, staying with our families might have a chance to add to it. And uh, otherwise, we might get on each other's nerves. Gide. Well, I see that happening very soon. <laughs> anyway, but uh, amongst the big news that we have heard in the last few days, uh, I'm sure you've heard of this lockdown announced by the Indian government. 21-day lockdown, so it's three weeks. Mm-hmm. The whole country comes to a standstill. Uh, people are not allowed to go out and do their normal things. Only very exceptional cases are allowed and all these things. Do you see its impact uh, on day-to-day life? Well, there there will be a huge impact on the day-to-day life without any doubt, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, a large section of the population lives on a salary-by-salary basis and sometimes on a day-by-day basis. Mm-hmm. So those people would be really badly hit. I mean, for me, given these serious circumstances, right, the seriousness with which the quarantine and the, let's say, the partial bond or the partial... Uh, closure of re- regular life is uh, upheld it it does show that you know the government is also very serious but they've also i've heard taken some steps to help the regular people out right mm. under such circumstances for me somehow uh, sport and especially a sport like cricket takes a back seat right mm. Mm. so i'm really hoping uh, this this uh, you know this sense of uh, gloom or the sense of you know helplessness is lifted shortly and uh, Sport can definitely help with that. But it looks like, you know, uh, BCCI is still thinking about, uh, cautiously thinking about IPL week-by-week basis, those sort of... They have not uh, really announced any sort of a large-scale postponement or even postpone, postponement of the entire IPL or something like this, right? So, uh, it, it really remains to be seen. What do you think, Ray? Well, <laughs> I still don't freaking understand what's happening with this IPL decision. Right. Well, I already spoke about this in our previous episode. We just heard that the biggest event that happens every four years, the Summer Olympics, mm-hmm. uh, which was scheduled to be uh, held in uh, Japan later this summer, has been postponed to, to 2021. So that's basically next year. 
I don't know what's happening with BCCI. What do you think, man? I think I think they are trying to keep their stakeholders happy, right? Uh, without getting into too much um, corporate uh, jargon, I think they are just trying to keep uh, the fans as well as the people who invest a lot of money into running IPL every year, right? They are trying to keep both ends of uh, the bargain. They are trying to not let both ends of the candle burn, however you may want to look at it. So mm-hmm. I think that's the only reason why they have not announced any long-term decision on this season's IPL. But I really expect a decision in the next week, frankly. Mm. Considering that Indian government itself is planning to extend um, the existing curfew if the curve doesn't flatten really to their expected you know, uh, mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So in this case, I don't see BCCA really having too much of an option of holding an IPL. I forget it being outdoors, forget it being in, in closed stadiums just for the TV. You know, mm-hmm. it's mostly the TV and the television uh, advertisement rights that are sold every year, which are, you know, really the ones that might be driving this as much as the fans mm-hmm. and the investors. Mm-hmm. So, in this case, probably, I don't really think they are going to hold IPL this year, Giri. That's my understanding of it. Yeah, I think that's that's basically the decision uh, that we all wait for. Uh, it will be announced pretty soon, like you said. They can, they may even be able to hold two IPLs one after the other next year. They could even do that, right? So, A mini IPL uh, and a regular one, maybe. I don't know if there are uh, any more windows left for such another tournament in the same year. but they, they will take a decision, so let's wait for that. Did you also hear that ICC is mulling, uh, rescheduling the other uh, tournaments like the World Test Championship? What's going to happen to that? Because there were a lot of test matches planned to be played like the England-Sri uh, Lanka series. And then the English summer, which is going to come up very soon. Uh, mm-hmm. And the T20 World Cup, which is scheduled to be held, I guess it's in October this year. Right. Uh, and many more such tournaments. Uh, they, I, I saw that they have some meetings uh, scheduled early part of May this year to decide what they should do with these tournaments. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially the ones like World Cup and, uh, and all that. So where do you see this going? Do, do you think they will postpone these as well? Or is it too early? I think it is a bit early. Given that really October, November is many, many months away, I am going to say they are going to bite the bullet and have the World Cup this year. But whether um, the other cricket that has been affected, for example, the World Test Championship and uh, you know the ODI League, these other things might actually be have to be, they may have to revisit it. But at least the World Cup, I think, is so far away that uh, by June, they'll probably take a decision. But by June, they'll have a lot more... Um, confidence on which way to go right mm. i think by then i ha- have a feeling we'll we'll have run through the pandemic and that will mean they have enough time to two three months of prep time most teams also will be fine with that i think and they should be able to hold the tournament that's my personal gut feeling Gary. yeah it's still a long way away uh, but the world test championship indeed yeah they will have to reschedule some of the matches and then maybe even uh, have a shortened uh, tournament altogether shortened championship altogether We'll see what happens over there. And this also has an impact on the players who are involved, right? So, we, we spoke about this already last week. Um, mm-hmm. Now that they have an off period, how are they going to... They're probably switched off now in some way. How are they going to switch back on when the time comes? And they, they also don't know when the time will come. Huh? So, it's there's a lot of uncertainty over here. Uh, mm-hmm. And what... I mean, what kind of consequence does this have on the mental health of the player? Forget about physical health. They, they can all go to gym and then uh, keep themselves fit as much as they can but what will happen to the mental health it's also very important right especially in test cricket 
Yeah. No, I think this is a constant challenge for uh, a modern day cricketer, right? They have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are some people, uh, some cricketers who have a lot of cricket and some who don't have that much cricket. For example, the people who play in one, um, only one format for their country, somebody like Cheteshwar Pujara, for example, right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a constant challenge that they are continually expected to face and they have found their way around it, I'm sure. So they keep competitive by doing other things. I hear, for example, they play competitive video games just to pass time, but still remain competitive, be in that competitive state of mind, right? And sometimes they play other sports. So in this case, uh, considering there is a bit of a problem going out, going to the gym and so on, I did, however, see, for example, certain, um, I forget her name. There was an English cricketer, an English woman cricketer who was putting out her uh, herself doing drills in her own backyard, right? Mm-hmm. For example, with certain... Uh, to keep the bat straight by tying a rope behind her and uh, going into the forward defensive posture and so on and so on. And it was funny that she lost a couple of tennis balls or some such. There were some jokes involved. But I'm seeing that cricketers are finding more and more novel ways in which uh, they are able to still, you know, perform their uh, daily routines, for example, daily trainings or whatever, to whatever extent they're able to. So that was a nice thing to see. So... I think they're always, that's a challenge, but they have some ways of overcoming the challenge. But uh, you are right in as much that sometimes the mental aspect can take a beating if you're not careful. But mm. most of these cricketers would probably welcome the break that they have, Giri. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also good for somebody like Virat Kohli, who is always playing throughout the year. Right, So he's playing in T20s, he's playing in IPLs, he's playing uh, test cricket, he's captaining the team everywhere. So I think it will be a welcome break for him, for sure. But he's also one of those guys who really like to be in the thick of things. And so I think uh, that is something he will miss. But uh, right. I'm, I'm also thinking about people who are um, who are probably alone, you know, living alone, uh, not having a family or not having a lot of friends around, uh, who have been uh, forced to uh, isolate themselves uh, like the situation demands now. That can actually be a bit detrimental uh, if you're in such a situation, I would say. You need people talking to you, not yeah, probably over phone or video calls, all those things. So it's important mm-hmm. to keep the social connection active, I have to say. And we are trying to do this even at work. And so uh, some of our teammates, we are uh, trying to have coffee sessions uh, over uh, video conferencing. So we try to fix like 10, 15 minutes in a day where we just grab a cup of coffee and then sit in front of a computer, talk to each other about everything else apart from work, just you know, casual talk. So I think this is also something they have to do. I mean, I'm pretty sure they will do it if they're professional cricketers. I think there is a way to handle this and all teams will be doing their homework. But yeah, I think it's very challenging to remain active, uh, <laughs> to keep thinking about cricket at the same time, uh, also do other things, right? So it's very interesting. I've never, I mean, at least in our lifetime, we have never seen anything like this, right? So it's completely new for everybody. I guess we'll find our way. Now, I was reading somewhere, this is an interesting challenge for millennials who are, you know, not used to this sort of a lifestyle where their lifestyle is very active and not a lot of sitting at the same place doing the same thing again and again sort of a lifestyle, right? So, this forces yourself to uh, fall back into an older lifestyle. You know, back in the day when not a lot of TV was there or not a lot of books, um, how do you keep uh, yourself engaged, right? Board games, other things, right? So I was reading an article by this author, Yuval Noah, uh, Yuval Noah Harari. I don't know if you know about him. So he had an interesting take on this. So he said, as you know, people of the modern age, this could probably, this will not affect every one of us in a very drastic way, but the good habits that we build now can help us going further, something like that, right? 
so uh, looking at it from cricketers perspective probably they are you know they are looking to strengthen certain uh, muscle groups or especially those that are uh, injured for example i think uh, glen maxwell had an injury recently and he had to have a surgery on it so he would be really happy that uh, his uh, downtime is also the downtime of all of cricket he he can recover in peace right so uh, people would get uh, would be looking to get over these niggles that uh, niggles and maybe if there is anybody who needs a surgery i know it's not the right time to push for it but if possible maybe they can push for it right and get the done, surgery done it does seem a bit um, selfish to say that because you know there are real uh, life and death situations going around the coronavirus in hospitals but if that's an option at all if you are rich enough and if you can afford it so why not some some other positives you can take if you're a cricketer if you're sitting at home right also strategizing most teams have serious team meetings where they prepare for entire tours ahead of time where they visit uh, stats together as a group and try to take away things uh, points to address and so on so they could do all of these almost like in a corporate setup kid absolutely and on a funny note uh, hardik pandya can recover from his recurring injury so he gets a break even though he has not played a lot of competitive cricket from the time he got injured last year and jasprit bumrah will have a break right so he was recovering uh-huh. from a stress fracture he was doing yeah. okay uh, in new zealand but not back to his best i have to say but now he is going to take this uh, opportunity to uh, take some rest so no it it, it does you know you you're probably right that you know they would have invented some other ways as well and those that have been uh, injury prone would rather welcome this break so that they can strengthen that uh, part of it at least when it comes to hardik pandya i think he was one of those people who was raring to go he was chosen uh, to play against south africa and the series got cancelled right so mm. he had been chosen back in the team so but he would definitely welcome the break and strengthen his own core and make sure you know he gets more uh, injury free for the upcoming couple of seasons yeah same with uh, that was an excellent example jasprit bumrah he can get to his best right right well going further i mean uh, we heard uh, scotland's majid huck uh, he tweeted that uh, you know he's one of the first uh, cricketers to actually uh, put it put it out there that he's been infected by coronavirus i don't know if you've come across any other international cricketer so this is majid huck who played for scotland uh, going further you know there is quite a lot of news from off the field as well that is there is only news from off the field frankly but specifically the ones about like sa south africa also cancelling their uh, domestic remaining rounds and lions and dolphins have been declared winners right mm-hmm. so that means uh, they have decided the season will be truncated as is mm-hmm. so the lions have won the four day first class tournament and dolphins have been declared the 50 over tournament winners so whoever is on top of the table has been treated and declared as run uh, winners and so on and so on right so mm-hmm. it's very much like uh, accepting the situation as is truncated tournament given the It's unexpected ending we'll take it as is right that's good to hear uh, but also there are some players who are a bit worried for example bangladeshi players fear that there may be a sol- salary loss amid uncertainty right not you know today in today's day and age cricketer being cricketer is considered to be a very affluent way of living or it gives you we have a feeling but not all cricketers might be that um, uh, let's say that fortunate so for example i remember i was reading an article about somebody like shannon gabriel right so his continued earning from cricket would let not only his family but also his immediate family eat comfortably so players like that would indeed be impacted so we have a similar such case where certain bangladeshi players are experiencing or are at least afraid they may lose their livelihood because a lot of their um, livelihood depends just on the 
salary that they are able to earn from their at least domestic contracts as well as international contracts right so that would be a big deal but if you look at the same thing the other way the affluence that they have can actually be handed out to those that are unfortunate so we hear that for example pakistani cricketers uh, those that are centrally contracted have each set aside a certain amount of money in pakistani rupees to be uh, given over to charity and to be given over to hospitals where the needy can be helped with that uh, contribution so that's an excellent uh, news that we hear giri what are your thoughts did you also hear shahid afridi making a lot of contribution uh, there was some oh, social media posts yeah there was some social media posts uh, where he was helping people needy people and there was some uh, uh, admiration expressed by uh, harbhajan singh about this yeah. indeed now he's using his uh, profile high profile let's say status for uh, you know creating awareness and uh, letting people also helping people right letting people know what to do what not to do so people would listen to a person of his stature so that's nice i remember now the eden gardens was made available as, as a medical facility a part of the eden gardens was used as you know um, it was given over to the west bengal that is the local province government uh, as a temporary medical facility right mm-hmm. so this was uh, declared by saurav ganguly and other such cricketing associations like for example pondicherry has done the same right, right. and uh, many such other associations have indeed given over the stadium for whatever medical facility use that it can be put to so that's very nice to see yeah right and ecb has offered you know some uh, home training packages to some of its premier cricketers so ecb has actually gotten ahead of the curve and they already thought how cricketers can stay in shape and how they can you know uh, keep uh, their mental and physical agility going so they have already come up with such a package that they have handed it to their cricketers with whom they can actually you know also uh, interact uh, in a uh, using the web regularly and keep monitoring them right that's very mm-hmm. nice to see mm-hmm. so you know there are these all these nice things stuck but sometimes you know ex cricketers and cricketers are stuck in different parts of the world they are trying to get home we hear england women cricketers lauren winfield and amy jones are stuck in australia and you know brain is stuck in new zealand trying to get back to england so uh, this doesn't sometimes feel very good but you can at least say they are safe where they are i'm sure their families on the other side of the world would not be happy and maybe in some cases not comfortable without them but given the situation at least you can say okay they're doing all right and i hope they soon get reunited with their families as well well i mean did you uh, follow this espn uh, cricket info uh, feature they had yesterday in fact so yesterday happened to be uh, the day uh, the same day on which uh, the 1992 world cup finals was played between pakistan and england in australia you remember that at the mcg so they oh, wow. they had a ball by ball commentary of uh, this match that had already happened 20 28 years ago uh, nice. so they tried to you know explain things ball by ball they they built it up very nicely about the two teams what could be the probables and all that uh, mm-hmm. and i i was trying to follow this as much as i could uh, it was quite nice to relive that uh, final uh, the famous mm-hmm. actually uh, imran khan lifting the cup at the end It was very nice to see. I, I would love to see some more of those features, you know, uh, old matches being revisited. So, did did you get a chance to follow that? No, no. But that sounds like a very nice initiative by Cricket Info. And well, again, the cynic in me would say, are they just doing this to retain their audience? But yeah, as a cricket fan, definitely that sounds very nice. And uh, unfortunately, I missed this whole event. Otherwise, I would have also probably followed it ball by ball. You know, at least the last twenty hours of the game or something. That wow. would be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. England was sitting pretty. 
uh, when uh, Neil Fairbrother and uh, Alan Lamb were batting. And then came Vasim Akram and then he destroyed them, basically. Oh, yeah. Couldn't find those two balls, right? Those two yeah, consecutive those two balls. balls. Yeah, Good absolutely. Guy. So, fantastic. Vasim Akram is still my favorite bowler. And I was also following this, uh, follow this series on Amazon. Uh, it's called The Test. It covers uh, or it chronicles Australian uh, cricket team uh, since the incident the, at Cape Town. Ball tampering thing. Yeah. From then on until... Uh, I would say the World Cup that happened last year, last summer in England. So they follow the team's progress or the team, what the team went through from then that moment on until the World Cup. Uh, and then, yeah, they, they basically follow the team everywhere they go. So they visit the dressing room, they go to the grounds, they, you get to hear a lot of meetings, team meetings, what happens within team meetings, and what happens during pep talk, uh, for example, by the coach uh, Justin Langer, or how or how Kim Payne, the captain, communicates with his teammates. Or what kind of things they go through. I mean, um, it's it's quite amazing. It captures the preparation they they do before every match or every series. And also the human side of things, like the emotions a player shows when he gets out or when uh, he's disappointed, when he's had an off day, when the coach is not happy, or how they you know, uh, lash out at each other and all that. It's, it's fantastic. I think that more than anything, they've captured the... Uh, the emotional part, fantastic level. This is a series I recommend everybody to watch. I just finished the fourth episode. The first episode was uh, more about the Sandpaper Gate. And then from then on, they show how Justin Langer builds a team uh, which does not have the the stalwarts like uh, David Warner and uh, Steve Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, how he builds up a team uh, from scratch. Most, sort of, they have good players, good good bowling. I think the bowling was never a problem. It was the batting, uh, which had a big hole when those two guys left the team. Uh, and then they, they follow these series. They, have, they follow a series between Australia and Pakistan in the Middle East, uh, which they lose uh, against Pakistan, 1-0. And then after that, they, of course, uh, follow this uh, famous series uh, between India and Australia, where India visit Australia and thrash them 2-1. But it's it's amazing. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to uh, watch this, but uh, you should if you haven't. No, I've not had a chance, Kiri. I'm still stuck deep in the sci-fi and uh, comedy TV series loop. <laughs> I think uh, I need to get out of it. I mean, I'll I'll be frank about it, right? For somebody who's been a big fan of cricket and who it, this would be normally a very fascinating journey for me, indeed, and fascinating story for me to listen or read or see. But the problem is. I somehow hate anything to do with reality TV. Okay. And this has a whiff of it. And I somehow can't bring myself to see it. I gave this a thought a couple of days back. I must have been, uh, let's say, if you think about it normally, you would say, you would be waiting for it to come out and you'd be waiting to see every episode the moment it drops, so to say, right? For a test match fan. Especially when something so, you know, something so heavy has been shown about... uh, a team and there you get these uh, candid scenes, behind the scenes uh, footage and stuff. But somehow the reality TV element that comes up sort of makes it very uncomfortable for me. But you know what? I'm going to try and overcome it. I'm going to try and watch it because it would be very interesting to see how a highly successful and highly functional team like Australia cope in and around matches because the grind of playing international cricket is not it's not easy, right? So I I don't know that firsthand, but mm. from what I see and what I read, it's supposed to be very difficult. So 
may be getting a glimpse into their uh, behind the scenes uh, you know time would be very beneficial both as a sports fan as well as you know some and just a club cricketer right yeah. so i'll try to see if i can catch a couple of episodes moving on you know still staying with the australia theme david warner has uh, opted out of the 100 due to family reasons kiri ah uh, i don't see the 100 happening this year that's where i was going <laughs> i think they will pull the plug on this competition this year they will probably hold it next year just this year or you'd be happy to see the plug pulled on it forever uh, i wish it never existed that the idea never came up yeah. all right all right it's likely but yeah i mean you could be right that uh, considering it's a summer spectacle in fact i, I remember reading a report uh, a couple of weeks already ago that that was still the early days of the corona and i think ecb was even considering pushing more for the 100 because they knew they were going to have a truncated uh, the domestic uh, tournament the, mm-hmm. you know so they were looking to see if they could make this the vehicle for earning this summer the 100 so uh, there may be people who might be thinking in a different way to you kiri and me so we'll see how it uh, shapes up but yeah he's pulled out but uh, in other news sumar akmal who was previously charged by pcb with two anti corruption code breaches has challenged it uh, this is sort of i think he was provisionally challenged on february 20th this is during the uh, pslc of this year and uh, he challenged it and i think his brother kamran akmal has come out and said that uh, in or at least he's come out in support of his brother so it looks like very interesting thing that um, yeah we'll see how these things go why why is it always umar akmal against the world why is it always like this such a talented guy it is so sad to see him you know get tang- entangled in all these uh, uh, problems charges uh, you know attitude problems uh, now an anti corruption charge that he has been yeah it's really sad to see uh, a talented cricketer like him uh, yeah get involved in these things but it's it's i don't know when it's ever going to uh, um, work for him because i think he is very close to mm-hmm. his uh, what, how old is he now 29 30 right. no he's 30 plus now he's 30, 30 plus oh god yes oh that's that's a shame if this happens to uh, be the end of his career you know, leading up to that it would be a huge nah, not the international one career. small correction he is 29 i'm sorry yeah but yeah he's almost he's almost 30 right at, at the age of 30 yeah. or on the age of 30 you are expected to be a bit more mature and uh, um, you should carry yourself around a bit more uh, better we also mm-hmm. what happened with virat kohli he has changed a bit i have to admit there are some rough edges here and there uh, mm-hmm. but now i think uh, you see he's he's a captain of a team so this guy was is is he uses talent is he's one of the hardest hitting batsmen i've seen umar akmal a huge shame mm-hmm. huge shame yeah go on indeed now we'll see uh, sometimes as you say maturity comes a bit later but you know it's not i would not use the word maturity what makes him a good player is indeed that attitude never give up attitude or i don't care if the entire world has thought this match is over i don't believe this match is over hence i go on and win it right Mm. sometimes it's the same attitude that helps them in the field that's their uh, let's say as i said it's his attitude the him against the world attitude which helps him on the field him perform so specially on the field is because of that attitude but maybe it also spills over into the rest uh, of his life because that's him that's the whole uh, part we also saw with other cricketers sometimes right other cricketers who had these brushes with authority are often uh, mev- you know this maverick cricketers who can do things which others cannot it's simply yeah. the way they are made up so yeah. mohammad asif had it shoaib akhtar had it right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and if you go back to india 
sadanand vishwanath had it they say yeah they just need a good helping hand to make sure he uses this this energy or whatever it is in the right way no you need a slightly more mature individual to handle them so mm. it's it's more like um somebody who has seen enough of the cricketing world but also who's who has a much broader and a much open mindset can handle these people because you know i have seen this more often than once that uh, there are more than one ways to skin the cat as they say <laughs> so you just have to get you just have to understand this person has a slightly different road to get to the end goal and therefore not all rules can be bent but maybe there are some exceptions that can be made but mm. yeah it's 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 also something you know uh, the moment you make an exception then you say you are already signaling to the rest of the group that this person mm. is slightly you know better or whatever slightly slightly more special than the rest of you so that's mm. not a signal any anybody managing a team would want to send out so yeah. it's it's that's why i said it's not a straightforward problem to grapple maybe you know uh, unis khan had once offered to take umar akmal under his wing and I, i don't know what happened to that right i think the best person to do this is the current prime minister he did with a lot of uh, players under him right so but he can't come back to the team now he has bigger responsibilities i was about to say that indeed <laughs> so um you know in a slightly unfortunate uh, turn of events at atul bidade the uh, baroda's women's team coach has been suspended following allegations of sexual assault and a few sordid other things because he was accused of uh, well unparliamentary language to put it uh, in a mild way and some un uh, let's say unforeseen comments uh, about certain people's you know mm-hmm. the way they looked and stuff like that so that's that's not expected of a women's team coach but these are all things that are being put out by the authorities he has not come out with his side of the story so we don't know but if you remember atul atul bada the giri yeah i remember him uh, as a player who could hit uh, sixes at will Indeed. he was one of he was one Indeed. of those very hard hitting batsmen from the 90s uh, mm-hmm. i think him and there was another guy Amai Khurasia you, you remember that guy Amai Khurasia indeed yeah, these two guys come to my mind when i remember uh, six hitters left handed six hitters i don't mm-hmm. think india had a lot of big hitting people back then uh, in the team of course sachin tendulkar was there but not a really hard right. hitting player right so he's more of a mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah it's it's a really a huge shame uh, let's hope this gets sorted out in the right way indeed and i yeah it's it's always unsavory when these things come out into the public and you know those things both parties talk about it about it and mm. it's i hope it's sorted out sooner and in a proper way right on a funnier note again you know rohit i don't know rohit sharma uh, recently took a dig at icc for not including him in the best current pull shot poll so currently icc are running this poll about who mm. has the best pull shot in international cricket currently right mm-hmm. so rohit sharma he did not really call himself out but asked icc are they missing somebody on this list right <laughs> so it was a collage of four batsmen with their pull shots and asking the fans uh, icc is also doing their bit to keep uh, cricket fans occupied in this uh-huh. time of corona and uh-huh. rohit sharma had to ask you know th- there were four big names there there was vivri church there was ponting uh-huh. there was harshil gibbs and virat kohli so rohit says someone missing here not easy to work from home i guess right <laughs> so <laughs> cheeky uh, cheeky cheeky hmm. 
So that, that, that was a nice, a nice comeback. It made the point without being unnecessarily appearing to have too many feathers ruffled. I like that approach. I like that uh, that approach very much. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's take a look at the trivia question, Giri. So the trivia question from the previous episode was a slightly tough one. So we must say it was not. It's, it doesn't come across uh, as a very easy question. So the question was, who is an Olympic gold medalist who had also played cricket at the highest level, that is at the international level? So the answer to this question is Johnny Douglas, right? He was an ex-England cricketer. But before being a cricketer, he was also, or at the same time, he was also a very successful boxer. So this uh, cricketer won a, a middleweight gold medal at the 1908 Olympic Games. So as a very young person, Right, he was around 25 26 by the time he won an Olympic gold medal, but he continued to play cricket until the age of uh, almost uh, another 15 years after that. Right, and he died very young, just aged uh, 48, he died in the year 1930. But he was a fast bowler, unsurprisingly. Right, he was a fast bowler and he's played England, uh, he's played 23 tests for England. Right, and he, he had a batting average of 29 and he took 45 wickets, so more like an all rounder. So he, this was probably the uh, Ben Stokes of the of his day. So the trivia question for this episode is: Who was an international cricketer who lost his life in the last great pandemic, right? The Spanish flu that raised between 1918 to 1920. Uh, keeping up with the times, we've chosen this question. I know it's not the most happy sort of a question to ask, but we thought, why not, right? So who was an international cricketer who lost his life in the last great pandemic? Spanish flu of 1918 to 1920. At least this cricketer is supposed to be one of the only ones who's been recorded as being having died of Spanish flu. There may be others. So if there are any more, please do let us know. So you could give us the answer to this question uh, using our Twitter handle. So at armchaircricketpod or you could write into us using our mail ID which is armchair.cricket at gmail.com and you could also get in touch with us via the different podcasting apps, whichever app you might use to listen to our podcasts. So the Apple Podcasts or Spot or uh, you know Spotify or Podbean, any of those, right? So while you do listen to us, it would really help if you leave a review. If you leave a positive review, if you leave a five-star review, it's always a very encouraging thing for us. So I hope you do listen to us and you do stay tuned in for all the upcoming episodes. We have plenty to discuss, no matter whether we have cricket or not. So I do hope you do stay tuned in. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye.